This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And a good Friday morning to all on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can get me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined every Tuesday and Friday morning here in the fall by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You might know him on Twitter as Showtime at Showtime Cappers is where you can find all of his gambling picks. We got a lot to get to today. Game three of the World Series in the nation's capital. The Washington Nationals have a two games to none series advantage. Uh, little NHL and NBA leans from Matt. And then, of course, we will give out our NFL Week 8 college football Week 9 picks. Feels weird to be saying that. We're almost into the double-digit weeks in the season now. Uh, college football regular season got about a month left. NFL regular season already about halfway over for some teams. Things moving along pretty quickly. Matt, still a lot to get to. Looking forward to another Friday with you. Craig, what's going on, man? Let me tell you, you know, when we were back, when we were on in Tuesday, you told me that the Nationals would be up 2-0 by the time we were back on Friday. I would have told you uh, you were out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. And here we are, you know, the first time a team in the World Series has dropped the first two games at home since 1999. Wow. So a little history there for the Nationals. 20 years there, you know, Bryce Harper is obviously kicking dirt somewhere because <laughs> he could be on this stage right here. Instead, he's watching at home on his couch, just like you and I. But, hey, I mean, hats off to the Nationals, man. You know, not only did they open up the first game down 2-0 to come back and win that game 5-4 and hold off the comeback from the Astros. So that was, you know, one type of win. And then... In game two, they go up 2-0, and the Astros get it right back. And you kind of just thought that the Astros were going to keep up that momentum. And instead, it was the Nationals that, you know, not only broke the 2-2 tie, but then obviously, you know, poured on runs. I mean, what was the final score? 12-2 or 12-3 or something? 12-3. I mean, so, you know, they really – they made their stamp in Houston. They really did. And they're, they're coming – they're coming home up 2-0, and they have three games to win two. They have 
just kind of win two out of the three games at home to clinch the World Series, and they don't have to travel back to Houston. I mean, they can't be sitting any prettier. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think any team in any sport that is a best-of-seven series, if you're opening on the road, you go in thinking you can split. And and Washington did more than that, winning both games. And, and here they are now fully in the driver's seat uh, for game three tonight. So let's talk a little bit about I game believe, three. I believe, Greg, I believe that was the first time, you know, that Verlander and Cole lost back-to-back starts all season. So With Cole, I, Yeah, I guess Cole would have been the pitcher of record in game one. Because yeah, so just kind of. Yeah, it's a missed opportunities there for Houston against Scherzer in the first game, too. So, um, you know, Houston, all playoffs, has struggled with runners in scoring position, and that certainly uh, has... And to that note, the Nationals just have not struggled with runners in scoring position whatsoever. Well, well right. And, and doesn't it, it... I mean, we hear the term destiny be thrown out a lot, and it just feels like that's what's going on here with the Nationals. You know, all those years of playoff disappointment... Then they lose Bryce Harper, and now this of all the years is when they're probably going to get over the hump. It just feels like that destiny term. Howie Kendrick's getting big hits as Drupal Cabrera's getting big hits. You know, Greg, you didn't even mention the MVP through two games. Juan Soto, hat off to that kid. Wow. You know, doing it on the biggest stage as one of the youngest players out there through two games is my MVP for sure. Let's talk a little bit about game three tonight at Nationals Park. Uh, Houston still getting the respect uh, at minus $1.39 on the money line, sending Zach Grinky to the rubber against Washington's Anibal Sanchez. You can get Washington at a plus price of plus 129, total of eight in this game. And Matt, I think the big angle here that we're both curious in, we were talking a little bit about it before we hopped on, is how does Dave Martinez navigate the innings tonight with his pitchers? Because we know that Anibal Sanchez is capable, uh, and we saw it in Game 1 of the National League Championship Series. Uh, So maybe he trusts Anibal enough to maybe have a little bit more of a traditional game plan. Maybe he's going to be uber-aggressive, thinking if I can get up 3-0, the World Series is all but over. Uh, That's the biggest question for me tonight, because I think we know the Houston side— they went out and acquired Zach Greinke. They're going to hope that he can give you the traditional six or seven innings that, you know, these starters, they hope, would always give them. Uh, yeah, Greg. I mean, the, the thing is here, it's Anibal Sanchez. He's had two great starts in, in right. the postseason so far. You know, and like you said, the line sitting at 139. We've seen some interesting line movement throughout the day yesterday since the line was posted and into this morning. The line opened at minus 115 Astros and a total of seven. So that is now since kind of to, like you said, wow. minus 115 to minus 140 on the Astros. Well, Astros and, and over money coming in. Yeah, and a total of seven. It's moved all the way up to a total of eight. Obviously, we've seen both game one and game two go over the total mark and over the total eight mark, scoring nine runs in game one and 15 runs in game two. You know, just an interesting note that the line – moved towards the Astros, I believe, you know, just not as much as drastically in this game, but in the first two games as well, about 5, 10, 15 cents. And obviously, you know, that doesn't always indicate a winner, Greg. No, you're right. It doesn't. Um, and, and, and I think that brings up an interesting, interesting point because, you know, we're recording this, uh, you know, on a Thursday evening. You're listening to it on a Friday morning. So for those that are just 
getting involved with us, you know, get, let's talk a little bit about like buy prices and and things like that. How high does the Astros money line have to get for you to not be involved and and maybe think about a buying back on the Nationals? Like, do you have money lines in line here where you in mind, I should say, where you look at and say, all right, that's too much juice to back Houston. You know, is that something you look at or is, is this a money a line move that you think is worth following and that there really isn't a price that would shy you away from Houston on the road? Greg, here's the thing, right? You know, I know this postseason is a lot different than the regular season, right? But this Houston National team has was only swept in the regular season one time, right? So this is what the Washington Nationals effectively are trying to accomplish by winning right. a third a game point. in a row yeah, that effectively that effectively would be a three-game sweep. And I think, you know, we, we can agree that Anibal Sanchez is clearly not the pitcher Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg is. So like you said, they are really banking on Anibal San- Sanchez here because let me tell you, the last thing this Nationals team wants to do is not only give the Astros life by a, by a Game 3 win and change this here to 2-1, dude, they do not want those Astros bats to wake up. And I really hope Anibal Sanchez is on point because – if he lets, if he wakes up those those Astros bats, we could be in for a long series. But I agree, and I think you agree that you know Nationals, if they get this game done, it's it's over. Three zero, it's over. Well, however you want to look at it, do they sweep or do they win in five or somehow do they come back and they win in six? But let's be real, we're not seeing the Astros come back from down three zero. You know, and if we do, I'll be first on record to say I was wrong. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not coming back from down three zero. Right. And, and that brings me to the point, like from that standpoint, then, and taking that approach, does that make you go back to the well with Houston tonight? How, like, how do you play this game? Or do you look to the total and, and think that if the bats wake up, well, Washington has been hitting. So you go over again, like which, what's your lean as of now? Well, you know, as you know, Greg, or as my followers as well know, we've been having a great week on the, on the ice and on the hardcore tennis. I got crushed on both baseball games. You know, I was on the Astros game one lost. Went back, right back to the well, Astros game two, lost again. You know, I, and it wasn't even this, oh, I didn't think the Astros would lose to him at home. I just saw the Astros, you know, they're too good of a team. They have, you know, another great pitcher for Linder. And, and let's be real, the Nationals just got the best of them. And I'm being a sucker, Greg. I'm going right back to the well. I can't look anywhere but Astros here. It's Astros are no play for me for sure. I understand the Nationals are hot, but I just think this Astros team is too good to lose three games in a row. Now, ultimately, do I still think the Astros win the series? I'm not sure. But I'm going to tell you right now, you know, obviously, because we can't really talk about the Saturday game and, and potential game five until we know pitching matchups and what happens here. I do believe the Houston Astros win this game three, and I believe we are getting a game six in Houston. That was going to be my next question. When we're, It sounds like when we're next on on Tuesday, we'll still have baseball to talk about is what you're thinking. I, I, I believe so. I think we're going to still have baseball thinking. But let me tell you, if I'm still baseball talking, let me tell you, it's got to happen with the Houston Astros win here. Because 3-0, I don't think they're coming home. You know, maybe they steal game four and then the Nationals win at five. But truthfully, if they, if they lose three in a row, I, I think this Nationals team actually does pull off the four-game sweep. But I don't think that's going to happen, Greg. I'm telling you what's going to happen. And I believe the Astros are somehow, some way, Zach Grinke is going to find a way to make his mark and make his worth. This is why the Astros traded for Zach Greinke, exactly for a reason like this. They lost with Cole. They lost with Verlander. Now, instead of it being someone else, it's now Zach Greinke, the guy they went out midseason and got to acquire. Zach Greinke, go out there on the bump, 
and do what you get paid millions and millions of dollars to do, win game three, and put your team right back in the driver's seat to come back. Because let me tell you, momentum, not only in MLB, but in playoff series, swings tremendously, Greg. All of a sudden, you win this game one, game four is a must win for the Nationals, Greg. Because if they lose that and it's tied 2-2, then that becomes a best of three with two games back in Houston, and Houston just regained momentum, winning two straight games. It's just, it's just crazy how much impact one game can have even after we saw the Nationals dominate for two games. The Astros win this game, and all of a sudden, game four becomes a must-win for the Washington Nationals. I'm telling you that right now. Well, let me take it a step, a step further before I chime in with some of my thoughts. If what you're saying, if you believe the Astros win game three, then do you look to put some lunch money on the Astros series price thinking it might be correlated? Because right now you can get the Astros at, at plus 220 on the series price. And you have to think if Houston wins game three, you're going to see that series price dip back down to about plus 140, somewhere in there. Personally, and it, it hurts me to say this because they're down 2-0, I'm sitting with a one a 6-1 to one ticket on the Astros. So no, oh, I'm not okay. going to toss any money just, on the Astros. I'm saying if you're looking to bet Houston tonight, is it is it a correlated play perhaps where you might look to sprinkle the series price? I don't, I don't think so, Greg. And, okay. and let me explain to you why. Even though I do believe if they win this, they come home down 3-2, the Nationals still are tossing out Scherzer and Strasburg, just as the Astros will be tossing out Berliner and Cole again. The, the, the first two games were so shocking and so surprising of how the Nationals dominated. The, the rest of the way for me is a game-by-game. Game. Because personally, I wouldn't be surprised if the Astros won this, and then the Nationals won game four, so it's 3-1. And then effectively, you can probably get a better price than plus 220 when they're down 3-1. Right. That's a good so, point. So, I, I, it's tough. I like the Ashes in this game. Not an official play yet. I'm going to dive into it later. I want to see the official lineups that come out. I want to see, you know, I want to hear what's going on with the thought process of how big of a, uh, how short of a leash Anibal Sanchez is on. If Corbin is the first one out of the bullpen, which I expect him to be. So, there's a lot of factors. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look out this game throughout the day goes on. But right now I'm leading Astros and I'm leading the over because if the games went over with Verlander, Strasburg, Cole and, and Scherzer, you know, what is leaning me towards the under with Anibal Sanchez and Zach Greinke, which obviously yeah. means we all know the game's going to go under, but we'll see sure. how that plays out. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I think for me, this is a pass because I hear everything you're saying about the Astros and I don't even necessarily disagree with m much of it. The one thing I do disagree with is I don't think this series is getting back to Houston. Why? I, I think tonight's a pass because I think that uh, you could get that circle the wagons performance from Houston. But even if they win tonight, I can tell you I'll be on the Nationals in Game Four. Uh, you know, and I would look to play the Nationals again in Game Five because I just feel like right now the Nationals have so much going for them, so much steam, so much momentum, and I know that that can change in the snap of a finger. But it hasn't changed yet for Washington, and they've won, what, six straight playoff games? No, eight straight playoff games. The last two games against the Dodgers, all four against the Cardinals, and now the first two against the Astros. Uh, it, it almost feels like so often we hear this term in betting, you know, that you don't want to step in front of a certain train that just keeps rolling down the tracks. That's what the Nationals feels like right now, and I don't want to get in front of them. It just feels like... This is their year, as I said, destiny on their side. I'm not sure who wins game three, 
But I'm pretty confident that the Nationals have this series, uh, and I do not think it gets back to Houston. So I think the Nationals in four or five is what we're going to see. And kind of like you said, if, if the Nationals do win game three, then uh, as good as the Astros have been, I do think we could see a little bit of no moss from them. Just to close this out, Greg, just like you said, though, to not get in front of a train, but let me tell you something. You know, when you pull that one track out, the train can derail very, very, very quickly. So, like I said, and it's really tough to say that this is a must-win game for the Nationals being up 2-0, but it's the World Series, and this is a Houston Nationals team that won 170 games in the regular season and has some of the best hitters in, the, in Major League Baseball. In, in my opinion, this game is damn near a must-win because the last thing you want to uh, do— see. I disagree with that. We've heard plenty of comments from the the Nationals. I've heard Max Scherzer say this, a couple of other players, that they have the utmost respect for the Astros, but they've believed in themselves the whole way that they could win this series. So I don't think that they're going to start to feel the nerves at this point because they've gotten this far. I just can't see them slowing down. And and as I said, I'm not saying look, listen, look, listen. I'm not saying they're gonna slow down, but I'm saying you lose eight to two. Your first World Series game ever in front of your home crowd. When you show back up to that ballpark and you get out on that field in front of those fans, there are going to be some demanding expectations to get out to a lead early and win the game. You're calling a blowout in game three then for the Astros. No, 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 no. You, you, I think you're missing what I'm saying. I'm not predicting this. I'm saying I think it's more important to the Nationals than people think, oh, they're up 2-0. They dropped. No, no, no. Do not give a team this great life. That, that is just not how it happens. You can't give a team this great life. And I'm saying, I'm saying if the Astros were to come out and win in a dominating fashion, you know what the Astros are walking in that locker room saying? Let's go. Let's start first pitch for game four because we're ready, right? And the Nationals, I'm not saying they're going to be a little, a little nervous, a little, but all of a sudden game four starts, demanding expectations by the fans, by the players. You come out, all of a sudden – you're now down one, two runs, start game four. And, and, you know, now all of a sudden, you're looking at a potentially tied series. I'm just saying, it flips very, very quickly. 3-0, close the book, print the shirts, print the hats, Washington Nationals won the World Series. 2-1, we're, we're going back to Houston. That's all I'm saying. Well, I guess that's my only disagreement is even if it goes to 2-1, I, I still think the Nationals would get games four and five at home, but we shall see. It, it will be an interesting Only weekend time will tell. in the nation's capital. Let's shift gears quickly. Uh, you have a few plays on the hardwood and the ice that you wanted to get to, so I'll let you take the reins. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously when we came on Tuesday, we spoke about the NBA starting. You know, now we've seen a few nights of NBA action, and let me tell you, Greg, there is nothing better than having – something on exciting to watch every night because these night. west coast they're just exciting if you're able to watch Jokic in that game against the blazers his early foul trouble but you watch his second half man that dude is unbelievable i mean could we say enough about the sixers defense you know the other day against the celtics that was tremendous they look they they look great it's one game so we can easily overreact but they look great blazers you know when like i said when denver got that win that snapped uh, i believe a 15 game home opener streak for the Blazers. And obviously, you know, that was a revenge game from last series. And I think that win, truthfully, was a really telling. You know, I know I was on here a couple days ago saying the Clippers are going to get that number one seed, but I'm not so sure. I think the Nuggets will be neck and neck with the Clippers the full way because the Nuggets are for real. They got some hoopers, let me tell you. And they're, I'm going to say that they're the second deepest team in the league behind the Clippers. Probably, I think so. What do you think? Ah, 
I can't say I put a ton of thought into that, but I mean, depth is certainly kind of what got Denver to the game seven in the second round last year. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, and, I, and I, th- I think that. the world of that man, I think the world of that man, Jokic. But anyway, like you said, you know, just a few spots I'm looking at today. Obviously, some interesting games going on tonight. You know, we got the Raptors traveling to Boston. We saw Boston look pretty dysfunctional. Kemba Walker was absolutely abysmal in his first game debuting for the Boston Celtics against the Sixers. We saw the Raptors start a little slow and come back, win in overtime, and actually cover that minus seven in overtime by winning by eight. Very interesting. You know, Brad Stevens, he's a great coach. Celtics still have some talented players. Uh, it's not an official play yet, but I'm looking at the Celtics to bounce back in front of their home and thrive off their home crowd and, and, and pick up a W. If not, at least start out um, start out that game early. So that's going to be a game I'm going to look into. But I, I lean Celtics as of now. Um, another interesting game on the slate. You know, it's a it's a larger spread, 11 points. And, you know, as much as I just said about the Denver Nuggets, but well, the Phoenix Suns. I know they played the Kings, but they didn't look half bad. And so all out of the Phoenix Suns was it wasn't. Devin Booker scoring 60 points and them losing by 30. You know, they had some even scoring distribution. They added some nice pieces, some guys who can actually, you know, play basketball and help Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton is first game, you know, 18 and 11, nine, nine out of 14 from the field. Maybe he'll turn in the player, you know, we thought he could be. Not that he didn't have a bad season last year, but Kelly Oubre contributes 21. Ricky Rubio, veteran point guard. 11 assists and 11 points, double-double there. So, I, I mean, they got some guys. Tyler Johnson didn't look half bad off the bench for them. 10 points in 16 minutes. Uh, the Suns, <laughs> don't get me crazy. I don't think they're going to make playoffs or anything. But 11 points is a lot to cover in a second regular season game. And, you know, I know the Nuggets are going to get the job done. But I think the Suns could potentially hang around this game. Wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, Nuggets were handily up, but they ended up winning the game by like 8, 9, 10 or so. And at 11, I, I like that. You know, then obviously we see LeBron James in action for a second time at home against the Jazz. You know, the Jazz are obviously looking like a top five, top six team in the West. So it'll be an interesting game with the Lakers and LeBron James, frankly, not having the best game and, you know, disappointing loss to the Clippers when they, you know, came all the way back, tied at 85-85. Danny Green Yeah, not, not a very efficient for, game from him, too. I think he was 7 for 19 mm, from the field. Yeah, and Anthony Davis, I mean, he looked good in the beginning, but he was absent in the fourth quarter. Let me tell you that, Greg. Anthony Davis was dominant for three quarters and absent in the fourth quarter. He finished 8 of 21 for the field. Not too well. So I actually do expect the Lakers to bounce back at home. But let me tell you, it's tough because this team could experience growing pains like we've seen when LeBron switches teams in the past. And we know they usually get it figured out. So I'd be careful at that game. But as of now, I lean Lakers at home. Another spot I'm looking at is the Mavs and Pelicans. These are two young, exciting teams. Luka Doncic, I mean, oh my God, look at his game, his game one. And again, like I said, the Pelicans put up a big fight at Toronto. It's now sitting at two and a half uh, Pelicans at home. I do lean Pelicans at home to, to come back and, and get a win. I mean, they, they have some talent over there. And really, I only saw... Uh, Luka Doncic and Przingis put out for the Mavericks, and Przingis wasn't even that great. It was really just the Luka Doncic show, and honestly, that was enough to will his team to an eight-point victory against the Washington Wizards, which are, well, I would say, are probably going to be a bottom five team this year. So I think the Pelicans could definitely edge out the Mavericks at home. Just, just uh, all some leans that we'll look at later in the day, but just some interesting spots. Let's shift gears. You said that the ice has been pretty profitable so far. Uh, I, I was also on. Uh, Ottawa with you on Wednesday night in a nice back-to-back fade of the Detroit Red Wings. It sounds like you got some of those similar spots lined up 
for the weekend in the National Hockey League. Again, Greg, you know, I was on here Tuesday spewing my mouth off about the back-to-back <laughs> hockey. Just saying, Let me tell you, does a team playing back-to-back always lose? Greg, obviously not. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be talking on here because I'd be wasting time that we can be placing money down at books betting against back-to-back hockey games. I mean, hockey teams playing on back-to-backs. So obviously not. But that being said, it's a great angle that I like in hockey that I can will continue to play all year. And it only gets better as the players get more exhausting. But it's definitely interesting to note later in the year as the teams obviously start dividing. But let me tell you, after a full slate of hockey last night, we now have five teams no on the back-to-back. No pun intended there. We have five teams on <laughs> back-to-backs. We have the Sharks on a back-to-back road. We have the Arizona Coyotes on back-to-back road games. We have the Islanders on back-to-back home and road games, so a little bit of a different there, but still back-to-back games. Again, playing that Senators team who, who played Wednesday night, so they, you know they haven't traveled. They've been home since Wednesday night, relaxing. And obviously, you know they had a pretty easy win after it was tied 2-2. They kind of ran away with the game there. We also have the Washington Capitals playing the second game of a back-to-back uh, road stretch. So there's just some interesting spots here. Five teams who played last night are in action tonight against five teams who did not play last night. So, again, these aren't definite plays, and I'll look to play them later. Almost all of them will turn out to be one-unit plays because I just like to religiously fade the back-to-back roads in the NHL. But certain spots obviously will not qualify for certain reasons. But there are two spots that you can definitely lock in, and that's going to be the Detroit Red Wings at home against the Buffalo Sabres. You can lock that in right now. And that's that, frankly, that's a winner. So, so you can just you can count your chickens already there. And Vancouver at home against the Capitals, you can lock that in. Those are going to be two official plays for me for one unit for sure. The other three games I will take a look at although I definitely lean the Maple Leafs at home over the Sharks on a back-to-back road stretch. Let's take a break. We'll come right back, and we'll go to the pigskin next. College football picks for week nine first, and then we'll go to the NFL slate as week eight continues after it started last night with the Minnesota Vikings and the Washington Redskins. We'll check in with our sponsors now, though. Following the team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is hard to do. That's why I choose to subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a daily modern sports page updated and delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at Axios at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket, ping pong, and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple and it's free to sign up. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, but you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This free curated sports content is delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Men look good when their suits fit well, and Indochino is the largest made-to-measure menswear brand in the world. 
They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable with almost all of their custom clothing under 400 US dollars. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com with the promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. And we're back on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg, for all my gambling picks on Twitter, joined by Matt Siegel, at Showtime Campers. You might know him as Showtime on the Twitter sphere. As we get back, to some picks. We're going to go to week nine of college football now. And I'm going to start in the Big Ten, where it is certainly not the most high, the highest profile game in the Big Ten this weekend, but the money is just as green, and I'm going to lay the nine and a half points with the Purdue Boilermakers at home against the Illinois Fighting Illini. Total of 59 in this game, but I like the side, and I'll take the home team, Purdue, uh, when I look at this game, first off, this is just a nice system fade. You know, anytime you get a school off of a huge upset, can they match that intensity the following week? And in the case of Illinois, I have a very hard time thinking after winning outright as a five-touchdown dog last week against uh, Wisconsin that Illinois is going to be able to get up for this game on the road. Certainly feels like that was the season for Illinois, and you know they'll go back to being the irrelevant team in the Big Ten that they've been most of the year. And then you look at Purdue. I know that they're not having a good season and it's the third year under Jeff Brom and they probably should be a little further along than this, but they haven't had Rondell Moore most of the year, a big explosive playmaker for them at wide receiver. I do think they're starting to show some fight in the last couple of weeks. though. Uh, I'll go back to a game now about a month ago against Minnesota. They lose 38, 31 in a game. They trailed big in and almost came back uh, in the fourth quarter all the way in. Uh, they blew out Maryland 40-14, to 14, and last week against Iowa, they were right there, only lost by six, covered the double-digit point spread very easily. So I think Purdue is kind of going in the right direction here. I don't think Illinois uh, matches last week's intensity. As I said, that leads me to the only way I can look. If I'm playing, I'm laying in this game. Give me the Purdue Boilermakers minus the points for my first pick. Matt, any thoughts on that one before we get to your first pick? Honestly, Greg, this is one of those where I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck, but I personally have no opinion. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's move on. You got like the Oklahoma Sooners again. This has been a uh, a spot that you seemingly go back to the well on time and time again. Oklahoma this week traveling to Manhattan to play the Kansas State Wildcats. You're going to play a minus 14, I'm seeing, in the first half. Minus 14 at the at, at Kansas State Wildcats, like you said. I mean, it, it, it was unfortunate that they didn't get the cover, um, you know, a, a couple weeks ago against Kansas when, when I played them. Obviously, we then played them against Texas. Six and a half. We got the cover there. And, you know, it's real interesting to note that last week when we played it, obviously against West Virginia, they didn't get the cover again. I'm going right back to the well and 
and I think they come out again. And I just really don't see this Kansas State team causing them any trouble. Like I said about Oklahoma at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, I think this is a profitable play to be riding every single game of the year. So far, we are profitable on the year on it again, and I'm sticking another unit on their first half against Kansas State. You can call it a blind play all season. I don't care. I like it. I'd be a little concerned, though. Total in this game is 57, which is telling you there's not going to be that many points. So it does feel like a little bit much to lay when I – I mean, gosh, Oklahoma totals, that just feels really low for a Sooners total. So um, that in and of itself is enough for me to pass this game. But as you did with me, I wish you nothing but the best with that investment. Let's move on and go to the big early game, which I am passing in Columbus. Uh, you're on your Buckeyes again in the first half against the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, seeing the first half line in this game at, uh, sitting at, excuse me, seven and a half is what you're going to have to lay to back Ohio State. And you also like the full game under as we're seeing a total, at least I am, of 50. So make your case. Greg? See this now, this is a stronger play than an Oklahoma first half. And I'm coming in at this first half, two units, Greg. Ohio State will be up two touches of this half by half. This is a statement game for Ohio State. Not only do they need to win this game to continue their run at college, a chance of the college football playoffs, they will win this game. And this will continue to build their resume for the college football playoffs, which is where I told you they were headed to start the season. Nothing has changed in my mind. They win this game at home. They roll over Maryland. They, I don't even know if they're going to play Rutgers. Honestly, they should cancel that game. That's really unfair to Rutgers players and fans. Yeah. It, it, What's the actually, line at that one? 45? They might not even have a line, Greg, because it's really just unfair. I don't know. And then at home against Penn State, I expect them to win. And then on the road at Michigan, I don't see them causing them any trouble. But let me tell you, none of those games matter if they don't win this game, Greg. Ohio State 7-0. They will be 8-0 after this game. I do like the under, though. Like you said, I see something like to the tune of, you know, maybe 17-10 at half. Uh, 17-7 at half, excuse me. And Ohio State leads by 10 at half. Cover the 7 and a half. Now, let me ask you. I don't have anything on this game because I just think it's amazing the degree with which Ohio State has been covering numbers. It's, I've never seen anything like it. I heard a stat that they are covering the spread by an average of 17 points per game. And when you consider how big the lines are that they're laying, that's just outstanding that they could be that ahead of oddsmakers week in and week out. I made a case last week for Ohio State as the best team in the country. I'm not backing off of that. You seemed a little hesitant to go there. If Ohio State covers this big number full game and blows out Wisconsin, are you closer to getting there? Yeah, no, I know. I, I like first half only, honestly. I, I really only like first half because, again, this game, let me tell you, I mean, hey, Wisconsin win this game, you know, they're after their pathetic loss to Illinois. Yeah, I know yeah, that right really back, set them yeah. back, but ultimately, you know, they could be a one loss Big Ten champion. So this game yeah, is just as important. That would be Ohio State twice. So it, yeah, it, it, that's in your damn right, it would. And let me tell you, if they beat Ohio State twice, that, that there are two resume builders for the college football playoffs, which would justify their, 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 which would offset, I believe, potentially offset their awful loss uh, to Illinois. So, again, I think Ohio State can cover this line. I do, but I like, I would prefer to play the first half in the under. Staying in the Big Ten, where I am going to go to East Lansing 
I love the spot here for the Michigan State Spartans. This is going to be a max play for me. Michigan State plus the points. I am going to take this at five and a half, let's call it. I might buy this up to six, actually. Undecided yet if I'm going to buy the hook. I don't think it's going to matter, though, because I do think Michigan State is going to upset Penn State this weekend. Michigan State coming out of a bye, and this is a program that I think has another run in them. And by run, I mean I think they're just going to play their best football down the stretch. Off this bye week, they got embarrassed two weeks ago in Madison against Wisconsin. Before that, they lost to Ohio State in another game that was one-sided. This just feels like the bye week came at a good time for Mark D'Antonio, an experienced coach, to get his team to hit the reset button. And listen, Michigan State, as far as you know, national credibility, might have lost a little bit this year just by how much they were blown out by Wisconsin and Ohio State and that outright loss as a two-touchdown favorite against Arizona State in the non-conference. But Michigan State can still finish second in the Big Ten East if they win this game and if they beat Michigan in a couple weeks, which is you know certainly a winnable game. So I have no reason to think that Michigan State isn't still going to be motivated to beat Penn State and to beat Michigan because with how close the Big Ten East is almost every year, Th- that still matters a lot in recruiting. And they want to be able to still say, hey, even in a down year, we finished second in the Big Ten East, which I think has some value uh, behind Ohio State. So I love the spot for Michigan State hitting the reset button off of a bye week against Penn State. I don't know. Penn State for three quarters looked real good, but then they looked really bad and almost let Michigan get all the way back in that game. Uh, so I think these teams are a little closer than the line indicates, which is another reason why I'm playing Penn State. I'm sorry, I'm playing Michigan State. I'll probably buy this up to six for a max play on the Spartans. Craig, I really like the Spartans here. You want to know why? Because their season's done. But let me tell you, what can they do to make their season worthwhile? Exactly. They knock Penn State out of the college football playoffs. And let me tell you, this almost definitely knocks Penn State out of the college football playoffs because... They have to travel on the road to Ohio State, which I'm letting you know right now, Greg, that game is uh, exactly about one month from now, and Penn State will definitely lose that game. You can book that. Another big game on the slate in Week 9 in college football is in the SEC, where the LSU Tigers continue to roll uh, as they, after this game, will have a bye week, and then the big showdown with Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Hopefully Tua is back for that one, but we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. LSU hosting Auburn, big number here. The Tigers are laying the 10.5 at home, and the total is 59. I'm sorry, well, (laughs) the Tigers, they're both Tigers. The LSU Tigers are laying the 10.5 at home. Total is 59. Uh, Matt, you like the visiting Tigers with the points. Greg, this one's going to be short and sweet. And if you're listening to this, you could choose to bet this based off of this or not. Uh, Frankly, I think LSU is a great team. I think Auburn's a great team. I just think 10 and a half is too many points. In my mind, that's, that, you know, obviously, and I mean, not in my mind, mathematically speaking, that's at least two scores. Realistically, you know, a margin of 12 or 13 or 11, you know, not so, so at least probably two touchdowns. And LSU is great, but Auburn's got a great defense. Conference game. We've seen Auburn go on the road, play well. I just think 10 and a half is too much. Ultimately, I think LSU at home gets the win, but I think uh, by 10 or less. Short and sweet, and yeah, I don't disagree with a whole lot of that. I mean, I think that LSU is right there in the discussion with Ohio State and Alabama as far as the best team in the country. Uh, but let's, I mean, plus, Greg, you know, you remember I was hyping up this this Auburn team last week, and this is the game I, I said, you know, they, they need to go in 
I mean, a couple weeks ago, they need to go on a win. Obviously, got a little derailed when they lost at Florida. But, I mean, that game was so close and competitive, even though they ended up losing by 11. I think this time around, Auburn keeps a little closer than LSU, um, you know, would think at home here. Huge game for LSU. But let me tell you something. I understand there's a bye week, but there's got to be slight look ahead to the Bama game on November 9th. They're not underestimating Auburn whatsoever, but let's be real. LSU-Auburn is not like LSU-Bama, and LSU is licking their chops at the fact that they might get to play Bama without Tua or with a not, not course, 100% yeah. to Tua. So they understand they have to get this job done, but they also understand a seven-point win is just as good as a 30-point win with no injuries. So we'll see, we'll see how the end of the game shakes out. I smell a backdoor cover. Intriguing game in the Big 12, which you also have, I think, a pair of plays on you. You like the side and the total in Texas and Texas. Christian, uh, TCU, the home team here. Uh, Texas, one-point chalk on the road. Total 56.5. And and you like the Horned Frogs. And quite honestly, I just wanted to say Horned Frogs. You like them plus the one, and you like the game under. Yeah, and don't do you, Greg. Don't uh, don't take two points off my total there. I got a fifty-eight and a half. We booked that yesterday on the Twitter, but I'm gonna put it out there and just let you know. I don't even need to say much. So you know, if you're listening out there while you're on your phone, you keep listening to the podcast. Look up the weather report for this weekend. What it's gonna look like in Fort Worth. And let me tell you, it's not gonna be pretty. If you saw the Redskins Niners game, it very well might look something like that. I think the under is totally in play here, and a game like that. Anything goes. So let me tell you, the Texas offense could be neutralized. And at home, rivalry, give me the slight home underdogs pulling off the big upset over Texas. No, I'm I, gonna... I, sorry. I don't, I, I don't want to say big upset consider it's one point. But obviously, an unranked team, you know, over, over the ranked uh, Texas at number 15 is, is an upset. I'm going to agree with that. And just because, like, how good is Texas? Like, I, I think that they're a little overvalued here. They almost lost at home last week to Kansas. And I think that, you know, they kind of, not that they can't still have a good season and still have some things to be proud about if they run the table, but they lost to Oklahoma. And that's kind of the game that, you know, they really have struck. That's a huge rivalry game. And they've been behind the eight ball against Oklahoma for quite a while now. It's just not a spot that I want to back Texas with on the road against a, a decent defense in the Big 12 and TCU. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's the only side I would look to on that game. Let's move on, and I have one last college play, uh, and it's a team that I think is being a little overlooked right now, not just in the Pac-12. Well, I think the Pac-12 on the whole is being overlooked because everyone is kind of assuming that the Pac-12 is again going to be out of the college football playoff, and that probably will still be the case. However... The Oregon Ducks are a team that I think deserves some more respect. I know we don't think of the defense in the Pac-12, but Oregon's defense is pretty good. And they face a Washington State team that's really not known for defense and likes to play high-scoring games. I think this shapes up to be a nice spot for Oregon after a big win on the road against Washington. I think they keep the train moving here. I will take Oregon, Oregon in the first half, minus 7.5 against Washington State. As I said... Big win on the road last week for Oregon. And guess what? If Oregon runs the table and wins the Pac-12, I'm not saying that will get them in the college football playoff, but there will not be 
a single one-loss team that has a better argument than Oregon. Because Oregon's only loss was on, on a neutral field against Auburn, which is obviously an SEC team that deserves a lot of respect. So looking down the line, if Oregon is to win its conference, not saying a, maybe a one-loss team won't even make it, but Oregon will, in my opinion, and I think I'm not the only one that would feel this way, Oregon has a great argument with the only loss being to Auburn and having a conference championship, which I still think holds some weight in the college football playoff discussion. So I think Oregon is a team right now that you want to buy on. Uh, and, and so my first half minus seven and a half, I like it a lot. Greg, again, I, I don't have a true opinion on this game, so I, I don't want to speak on something that I don't have an opinion on, but... You just made me a believer, and I'm going to lock that in for a consensus. I'm going to be playing that for one unit for sure. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Always good when we are on the same page. Let's move forward. It really is, isn't it? it no, it's nice when we can agree and, and hopefully both win um, as we have. I feel like we've done pretty well. I haven't kept track of our consensus plays, but I feel like uh, we've done pretty well on those. Let's move forward, though, to the National Football League now. Week 8 continues on Sunday, and we're both Eagles fans, but... I don't know about you, Matt, but I don't really have a whole lot of confidence in the Eagles right now. They seem to be a team in disarray. A lot of locker room stuff that I'm, we're hearing now about different messages coming out of that locker room. I, it does not seem to be a team that I want to back right now. And I was very curious to see where this line was going to go in weeks, week eight against the Buffalo Bills. And I was shocked to see that it was under a field goal that Buffalo was favored by. I got in at Buffalo minus one and a half. I'm seeing Buffalo minus two right now at most shops, total of 43 and a half in this game. And I just don't understand that that line is saying that the Eagles are a better team than Buffalo because this game is on the road and Buffalo's less than a field goal favorite. There's no shot that's true. And, and you Greg, look at how- I, I want to stop you right there actually, because I have a slight disagreement, even though I ultimately over- I ultimately excuse me, I agree with your overall point about the Buffalo Bills, and I think it's a solid play. But I happen to do believe the Philadelphia Eagles are a better team than the Buffalo Bills. I just don't believe they're playing like it. So I just want to clarify, at least that's where I'm coming from. I believe ultimately this Eagles team is better. I'm not buying the Buffalo Bills at 5-1 and one from who they have beaten. And I know it's really tough to say that. But Matt, and remember, I know you can also they were also the closest out of any New England opponents to beating them, and they were right in that game. Again, doesn't mean much to me. It's a divisional game. No matter how good New England is every year, somehow one of the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, somehow they always end up losing a one That's of them. A fair so, point. so out of the six games, they always end up losing one of them. And this actual year looks like they might go six and zero against them. So frankly, it means nothing to me. Ultimately, if that game was the Super Bowl. Who gets the ring? Mr. Tom Brady. So they won the game. I understand they didn't dominate like we've seen them dominate. But realistically, their defense did. They still only allowed 10 points. It was just the Bills' defense that did well against the Patriots' offense. But the that Eagles Bills are coming. I mean, I'm buying them. Like, they're, they're a really good unit. So I'm taking a slightly different angle on this game. I do like the Bills, and I will be playing the Bills for one unit. But a stronger play I like is with this Eagles team coming in with desperation, I like the over 43 and a half. And let me tell you why. The Eagles defense could not stop you and, you know, six of your buddies out there. Yes, yeah, six. So seven guys total. They couldn't stop seven. Even. That's how pathetic they are. So the Bills are going to put up points here. And the Eagles team is just so desperate for a win. They're going to be foot on the gas here, Greg. There's really, the, the Eagles cannot travel back to Philadelphia losing this game. 
If they lose this game, I don't know if they can get back on the plane in Philadelphia. So the desperation is going to be there for the Eagles to score points. I just don't know if they're going to end up being able to outscore the Bills. But again, the Bills' offense hasn't looked lethal. So this might actually set up for a sneaky spot for the Eagles. Ultimately, though, I think the Bills win this game. But I like the over 43.5 in what I believe might actually turn into be a shootout and we see 50-plus. One last point on this. Third straight road game for the Eagles. Not not a good spot to play them in either. And I'm not playing the total either way, but just a, a word of caution the Eagles only scored 10 points against a Dallas defense that isn't as good as this Buffalo defense last week. So I'm not sold on the Eagles scoring enough. But that said, the Eagles defense really can't stop anyone right now. So uh, that's why my my better play is on the side with the Buffalo. For my Bills, daily right? fantasy uh, users out there, you know, John Brown, wide receiver for the Bills. Sneaky little play. Don't uh, I have uh, full agreement on that one for sure. Eagles secondary has been in shambles. So I like the Buffalo Bills minus one and a half. Uh, Matt, so you, you're in agreement there on the Bills' side, though, at the end, it seems like? Yeah, one unit Bills' side, two units on the over. On I like the, the over better. I'll move forward and go to the NFC North with another NFC East team being the visitors, and that is the Detroit Lions welcoming in the New York Giants to the Motor City at Ford Field. Lions, a touchdown favorite in this game, total of 49.5, and, and I'm going to the, the road underdog here. Give me the points and give me the New York Giants. And this is more of a fade of Detroit than a buy on New York. I just don't think the Lions are a team that is worthy of laying seven points right now. You look at Detroit, and they had that crushing loss at Lambeau Field two weeks ago on Monday Night Football. And it certainly looked like the, with the way that they played last week against Minnesota, where they really just couldn't stop anybody defensively, it looked like that that Green Bay loss had some lingering effects. And you're going to see a Lions team kind of begin to play down to teams. And we're going to look at this NFC North and what looked to be a very competitive division after five, six weeks might quickly just turn into the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Because I know, Matt, you and I both aren't fans of the Chicago Bears, and they look to be a mess as well. But I look at the Lions, and I just think, gee, this is not a team to lay seven points with right now. And I looked at how Minnesota's defense, or I'm sorry, Minnesota's offense really picked them apart last week. Listen, I don't know how good the Giants are, but I do know that they do have their weapons back. Saquon Barkley's back and Evan Ingram and uh, Sterling Shepard, excuse me. So, you know, they're starting to get a little healthier. That also leads me to think the Giants are the side with the points. But again, mainly, as I said, just not a team that I can get behind laying a touchdown with right now. I think the Lions are going in the wrong direction. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you here. I, I lean Giants plus seven, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not personally playing it. It, it. It's a tough game for me. I think two teams are, you know, they're in weird spots. I was a little high on the Lions, and obviously we have some disappointing losses. Blame the refs, if you will, but, I mean, I, the seven points just seems like too much for a team that is just, you know, frankly, I think a be best word for, for the Lions, Greg, might be, like, inconsistent, I guess. You know, the way they played. I mean, sure. you know, they, they haven't shown the best defense. Uh, who's to say that they're going to stop Saquon Barkley? I don't know about that. They allowed 24 points to the Eagles, 34 points to the Chiefs, 23 to the Packers, 42 to the, to the Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. So now, obviously, let's just take one step back because the Giants' offense is worse than all four of those offenses. I think we can but as I mentioned, agree there. Golden Tate is in the fold for them now. 
That's exactly exactly right. They have playmakers: Golden Tate, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram should be back and healthy. You know, Sterling Daniel Shepard Jones should come back from a concussion. I'll let Daniel Jones sling the ball. This could be a shootout. Um, as we're talking about, I actually might look into the over. It kind of sounds a little tasty. Let's move forward and go to the late afternoon slate: Indianapolis Colts welcoming in the Denver Broncos. Uh, I just want to get up front and say I really like the Colts. I, I think that if you're talking about the second best team in the AFC behind New England, uh, I, I think it's Indianapolis or Baltimore right now. Um, and we're going to see Baltimore and New England play in week nine in a game that should be awesome with Baltimore off a bye on Sunday Night Football. Uh, but, Matt, you like the Colts here against Denver. Uh, it's a first-half play for you. I am seeing a first-half line on this game of Indianapolis minus three and a hook. Greg. I think I've been on record at saying the Houston Texans are going to win the division. I'm not back, positive, back. but I believe I, I believe so. It's now we're now entering week eight in the NFL, and let me tell you, Greg, I think the Indianapolis Colts might be playing in the AFC Championship game. I, I oh, I totally agree with you. I don't see a flaw on this exactly. Indianapolis Colts team. The one flaw has now turned into one of their best players who is on pace to throw the most touchdowns in the NFL this season, Greg. Jacoby Brissett has been nothing but great. The one knock I have about the Colts, which really actually fucking obsessed me, Greg, is that loss at home to the Raiders. The Raiders, Besides yeah. that, they laid an egg. Besides, they laid, you know, and they didn't even lay an egg. They, they had so many chances in that game. Besides that, Okay, I understand they beat the Titans. Still on the road, divisional game. I know Titans aren't that good, but they're on the road, divisional game. At home, they beat the Falcons. We didn't know how bad the Falcons were week three, though. And they lose that game, but... But they got right back up on the road. Loss. On the road at Chiefs, Sunday night football. Yep. You walk in there, and you just slap your dick on the table and totally show the game plan it takes to beat the Chiefs. And you know and what happens? took it to them that game. Their offensive line was firing off the ball. Marlon Mack had a big game on the ground. That was an impressive performance off of that Oakland loss, the way they rallied the troops and, and just said, enough's enough. This is where we really show what the Indianapolis Colts are all about. It really was. And then, what can you say? Out of the bye week, they get their business done and beat the Houston Texans at home to – solidify themselves as first place in the division. Again, a Denver team that's going the opposite way, just traded their number one receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. I don't see Denver being an issue for this Colts tenacious defense, and I think the Colts can easily be up by six and a half. Colts minus five and a half on the first half line, playing that for two units. You can book that. I I, I like to play a lot. Minus five and a half. Wow, I'm seeing minus three and a half. At some shops, but um, I, I don't think it'll matter. I, I think the Colts roll in this game. Three and a half, three and a half. Oh. I mean, three, five and a half was the is the full game line. I, I apologize. Okay. That was- Thank you. Hey, you know, I'm saying it. I think they cover the five and a half too. But I, I, I agree. Yeah, I don't think this game is particularly close. Let's move forward. I am going to go. I actually think this game that I'm next going to talk about might be the best game in the NFL in week eight. And it is the Carolina Panthers visiting the San Francisco 49ers. And you have Carolina coming in at 4-2 and two, off a of bye. And, of course, you have San Francisco at 6-0, and oh, yet to lose after winning last week in an ugly fashion. But they get it done at FedEx Field against the Redskins, 9 to nothing. San Francisco, 5.5-point chalk in this game, total of 42.5. And, and I actually like the road dog again here. Give me the Carolina Panthers plus the points. This is one of, if not my favorite play, and I, I'm looking into making this a max play on Carolina. Uh, 
little nugget here, which I think is is relevant. Um, if you blindly bet road teams off a buy, you'd be hitting at 55%. And I think that's important because historically speaking, you know, we like to talk about back-to-back road games, cross-country travel, things that might just take the toll on the body. Well, if you're coming off of a buy, that's when you kind of get to recharge the batteries a little bit. And so a road team that off a buy is probably a more interesting play because the travel might not bother them as much, and some of that might not always be built into the number. I think that's what's going on here. You have a Carolina team that, remember, won four in a row before their buy, and Kyle Allen, in the absence of Cam Newton, just kind of taking care of business, not really you know, doing anything flashy, but just managing the game properly, getting the ball to his MVP candidate, Christian McCaffrey, and that Carolina defense is very, very good. And so I'm not really sure a San Francisco offense that has really just been so run heavy. I'm not really sure they're going to score enough here. It's one of the lowest totals of the week for a reason at, at 42 and a half. But rather than mess around with the under, I, I, I like the side better. And, and I think Carolina is going to have a good chance to steal this game. But uh, I'll take the points anyway here. Uh, I love Carolina plus five and a half. Very intriguing game here, Greg. Kyle Allen taking the lead by storm. Uh, 4-0 in his four starts for the Panthers. Frankly, he really might be pushing Cam Newton's out. Yeah, it'll, of- it'll be interesting to see what happens there because you have to think Cam's getting closer and closer to being healthy. So within the next couple of weeks, we'll have more clarity on the future of Cam Newton. Yeah, I might really go out on a limb and say, I just don't know if Cam Newton starts another game for the Carolina Panthers, Greg. And let me tell you, if they win this game, he definitely does not. If the Carolina Panthers travel to San Francisco and beat the San Francisco Niners on the road, how do you then say, oh, yeah, get back to the bench. We're now going to put out this man who, just because he was drafted uh, you know, high overall years ago, yeah, we're going to put him out there. And no, Cam Newton, backseat, bench, and you can, you can watch Cam Newton's career dwindle away. As we're speaking, you know, maybe I might be getting a little ahead of myself there, but I just see that's where it's trending. And hey, I I hope I'm not right because I'm a big Cam Newton fan and it's just a shame that his injuries have derailed him a little bit. Because clearly, I think we can agree that some of his, you know, uh, his his recent, you know, statistics and performances have been due to a nagging shoulder injury. Uh, I don't think it's just because he's totally... Yeah, and a foot. So I don't think I don't think he's totally just woke up one day and decided to be like Mitch Trubisky yeah. over here. You know, he's right. not he's not bad. He's not bad. He's had injuries. It's unfortunate. But if you walk into this game, Kyle Allen, here you go. Take the keys to the Carolina Panthers. And holy shit! Um, well, you're also only one game back of uh, first place in the division. So, hey, Carolina Panthers, shocking, shocking, shocking some people maybe this weekend. Let's move forward and keep going in the AFC. Uh, well. From the NFC West to the AFC West, I go with the, uh, I guess we'll call them the next door neighbors to the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders, visiting the Houston Texans uh, in this game uh, in Houston. Uh, For the fantasy players out there, I am a Josh Jacobs owner. Uh, He hasn't practiced yet this week, uh, so maybe he will not be able to go for Oakland. Oakland's played a ton of road games. They haven't played. Played a game in Oakland since uh, mid- the middle of September, which is really weird to say. Uh, but nonetheless, Matt, you like Houston to bounce back at least to start well. Uh, you're on the Texans minus four first half. Yeah, again, I, 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 I liked what I saw out of Houston last week. They, you know, unfortunately, they couldn't 
get the win over the Colts. It was a hard-fought game. Let me tell you, one of the best games of the weekend, if you caught it. And like I said, probably two of the top four teams in the AFC. I really hope that the Texans are able to, or and or Colts are able to snag the wild card and obviously one wins the division. And we see both these teams in the playoffs because I think that would be exciting. But I think they come back. And against a Raiders team that's on a back-to-back road games, Obviously, you know, that's never an easy feat to do. Not only is it back-to-back road games, a week before that, they were in London, and a week before that, they were on the road, and a week before that, they were on the road, Greg. So let me tell you, this Oakland Raiders team went on the road for two games, and they went to London, and they went on the road again to Green Bay, and now they're traveling to the Texans. It really doesn't get much easier for them. This Texans team is hungry. They can't afford to lose this game with the Colts at home. They know the Colts are going to beat Denver, so they know they got to keep pace with Denver. They got to win this game because then the Texans are on the road at a tough divisional matchup against the Jaguars, and then they're on the road against Baltimore, and then home against the Colts. So they know what the month of November is. Those three games are tough. They got to close out October strong, and they're in order to close out October strong, they got to get a W. And in order to get a W here, you got to crush the Oakland Raiders in the first half and end the life. You can't give them any life because we saw what happened when the Colts gave them life in the first half, and the Texans aren't going to give them life here. And they're going to cause some turnovers. They're going to put up points on this on this pathetic Raiders defense, and, and they're going to win the game. Not only win the game, they're going to cover the first half, and that's what I'm playing. Another late afternoon game in Foxborough, and we this game made headlines. Uh, on Thursday, probably for the wrong re- reasons for Cleveland, as Jarvis Landry's opening his mouth saying that they're going to go to Foxborough and win. Okay, the only way I reacted to that, New England, 12-point favorite, total of 45.5 in this game. Up to 13 uh, in a lot of shops as well. 13 at a lot of shops. Uh, Matt, you like the Kansas City, I'm sorry, the Cleveland team total under. Yeah, Greg. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, Greg, Cleveland Browns, team total under. I don't got to say anything else more about it. Cleveland Browns, I don't care you come off the bye. I don't care what Jarvis Landry is saying. You know, well, you remember, when Jar- Yo, remember when Jarvis Landry was, was uh, uh, led the league in receptions on the Miami Dolphins? Well, Jarvis Landry, where the hell are you? And where are you representing your 2-4 and four team talking a big game? Oh, and then all of a sudden he goes, the comments are, oh, no, 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 we're going there to win the game. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You're traveling on the road <laughs> to try and win a game. We all knew what you were trying to say. The Patriots are who we thought they were, Greg. And they will come out. They will win this game. They won't like those comments. You know, and frankly, uh, and I'm here on George Sundry. He might end up having a good game because we know how Bill Belichick and that Patriots defense plays D. They're going to take OBJ out of there. Why are they going to take OBJ out of there? Because he's significantly better than Jarvis Sundry. So Jarvis Sundry can shut his mouth, worry about catching balls. But instead of Jarvis Sundry worrying about catching balls, the Browns have a whole lot of other fucking problems. You know, they got to worry about Baker Mayfield yeah, throwing the ball to the receiver. They got to worry about their they got to worry about their coach getting the getting the play calls in there. Bill Belichick is going to have an absolute field day with Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. And just like Sam Darnold said, and it's a shame that they call him say that Baker Mayfield will sure be seeing ghosts. You know, in Foxborough again, another get in get out game for the Patriots. Eight and zero, and I just want to talk to you, Greg. This is—you can mark this down now, Greg, because I'm going to be on record saying this. This is a turning point in the Patriots' season. They will win this game. They will be eight and zero, and then we will really find out who the New England Patriots are when they have a five-game stretch of at Baltimore, then they have a bye, and then they're at the Eagles. I expect the Eagles, by the way, to figure some stuff out by that week. 
Obviously, it's the Patriots. They'll get up for that game. Then they're home. By the way, the, the, at Baltimore is a Sunday night game. So, primetime, Lamar Jackson. Going to be very interesting to see but what Bill Belichick does. Baltimore off a bye, too. More off a bye, as well. So, very interesting. What they, so, this Patriots team, in a five-week span, plays very different teams. They play the Ravens, right? Very different. Then they play the Eagles, right? Very different. And then they're at home against the Cowboys. Another very different team. They're going to then see Ezekiel Elliott, a running back they haven't seen all year. Yes, they will see Nick Chubb. But we know the Browns' offensive line is not nearly. No, what the I know where you're going with this because then they're going to get the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is probably no, back. Forget, then. forget that. Before, before that, then. Oh, Houston. All yeah. on the road at Houston Sunday night, and then they're at home against the Chiefs. So that's a five-game stretch with what I'm going to go out on a limb and say is five teams, even the Eagles, yes, even the Eagles, better than any of the eight teams they would have played in the first eight weeks. So we will really see if this Patriots team is legit. Is their defense as good as the Bears were? Oh, my God. We will see when they play five teams better than the previous eight they have played. And I'm very excited. And I'm going to go on record and say I think they lose two out of the five. Well, at that point, you're still talking about a 14-2 and two team. So um, unless you think they're going undefeated, then they're probably going to lose one or two of those games for sure. No, no, no. Uh, hey, I think the Patriots Super Bowl. I'm still sticking with it. They're still going to walk to Super Bowl and win it. But they will, they will probably drop – Two out of five of those games. If you had a gun to my head right now, Greg, they're going to lose that game Sunday night at Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is going to run all over them somehow, some way. He will beat the schemes. And then I truthfully think they drop at the Texans. I just like the magic that Deshaun Watson has. I, I really do. I think he's a team a player that can pull it out. We've seen him play well against his Patriots team at home. I think, you know, on Sunday night, I think the Texans get up for that game and they get it done. J.J. Watson, impact player. Couple more plays for me before we get out of here. I'll go to Sunday Night Football this week. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs at home catching the four points against the Green Bay Packers. Total forty-seven and a half in this one at Arrowhead Stadium. I actually really like this play on Kansas City plus the four. Uh, that's where I'm going. Green Bay. I don't know if you knew this. Green Bay has played more home more home games uh, than anyone in the NFL this year. Uh, Packers have played seven games, and five of those seven have been at home, and the other two have been on the road. So now they go on the road in one of the toughest atmospheres in the National Football League. And quite honestly, I don't really care that Patrick Mahomes isn't playing, and that feels weird to say, because it's properly accounted for, obviously, with the Chiefs being a home dog. And my big angle here is, and we know this as Eagles fans, Andy Reid, with extra time to prepare, is money in the bank. And he was great off buys. And this isn't a buy, but he does have the mini buy, having played on Thursday against Denver. If there's a coach that, with extra time to prepare, can get his backup quarterback, who is a professional backup, like you can do worse than Matt Moore for your backup, for sure. If there's a coach that can get that quarterback in the proper spots to succeed and to be able to get the ball to all the weapons they have in Kansas City, it's Andy Reid. This is a huge coaching mismatch. Matt LaFleur... Hasn't really been tested yet, and when he was, by Doug Peterson and the Eagles, they lost a close game at home. Give me Kansas City and the points. I get over a field goal with a Chiefs team that is going to be ready to play under uh, Matt Moore. A little bit of a different style, more low scoring. Doesn't mean they won't win the game. Uh, I think they could, but when I get over a field goal, I'll take the points. Chiefs. Is Patrick Mahomes playing? Probably not. I'm assuming that this is going to be Matt Moore. Okay. Uh, it's all, okay. Uh, yeah. I, it, it's just a really, it's just a really tough, 
It's a really, really, really tough game for me. I mean, the Chiefs D looked great last week, yeah, but against Denver. I mean, Packers look like a top team in the league. Aaron Rodgers coming off one of his, maybe even one of his best performances of his career with six touchdowns. And as Matt LaFour said, the old man even ran one in. So it's a really tough spot, Greg. But anytime you can grab a primetime dog, you know, at home with three and the hook, I can't say I hate it, but I would love to see Patrick Mahomes in this game and see a pick him because this would have been an amazing game. Lastly, the Miami Dolphins getting 14 points on the road in Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Total of 43 at the catch-up bottle. That is Heinz Field. And I am on the Dolphins, plus the two touchdowns. Just kind of a, you know, a, a little bit of both, actually, in terms of a play against Pittsburgh and a play on Miami. The Dolphins haven't won a game, but I think they're playing hard. And they've shown that the last couple weeks. Uh, and they went for two, and the win against the Redskins two weeks ago didn't get it. Uh, but they were very much in that game uh, against Buffalo last week in Western New York. Matter of fact, after three quarters, they had a 14-9 to lead. And they let things slip away in the fourth. I think it's a Dolphins team that obviously doesn't want to go 0-16. And it's a little early to even start talking about that still. Uh, but I think that anytime you're talking about a big underdog, the question is, is there motivation? Do they care? Uh, because if they do, then it's an intriguing play. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Miami. They've covered back-to-back weeks. Both times, uh, well, last week, it, the cover was never in doubt as it was a big number that they were getting against Buffalo. Same kind of spot here uh, on the road against a Pittsburgh team that, you know, they're going to get Mason Rudolph back in this one. But Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster has not been as explosive without Ben Roethlisberger. So it leads me to think that I'm not really sure that there's going to be a lot of big X plays, a lot of chunk gains for Pittsburgh. Another reason why I think this is probably just a James Conner run the ball, you know, and he's been a little dinged up, you know, maybe some Benny Snell for Pittsburgh, and they just try and, you know, get in and get out here uh, in a game that I think Miami hangs around long enough in to cover. So I'll take the Dolphins plus the 14 on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't, I don't you know, I, obviously I think the Steelers are going to win this game. I don't think the Dolphins are that good, but I just don't know if the Steelers are good enough to beat a team by three scores. So I don't, I don't hate 14 and a hook. I would like the hook there. There you have it. That's our edition of Full Slate on another Friday morning. Matt, always fun. And hey, maybe we'll have a World Series champion on Tuesday when we're next here. I sure maybe hope we not, Greg. Go Astros, go. All right. Matt, always fun. Looking forward to doing it again on Tuesday morning. Yes, sir. That does it for us, everyone. Please play responsibly if you are tailing our plays, which, of course, we hope you do. But most importantly, please play responsibly over the weekend. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.